Welcome to the Leader Think Podcast, where we discuss personal growth, human performance, and culture change. This is your host, Philip Grison. Thank you for joining me on this path. I hope you enlighten others along the way. Hey, everybody. I've got a special guest, but I always say that, so it's extra special today because I have my mom with me. <laughs> and we've been talking about uh, doing a podcast together for a long time, um, and now we're finally doing it. And we're going to tackle that mental health topic again, but I think we'll probably hit it from a different angle, and I'm guessing we're going to focus on the system a good bit. Well, let's hope so. That's what we do, right? Yes. Um, we have a, a lot of these conversations one-on-one -on -one, and I wish we'd recorded them every single time, but, uh, maybe we'll do that more in the future. So I'm introducing her as mom. And I think a lot of people know her as safety mom, but she has some <laughs> other aliases, uh, Pamela McCarroll, Pamela Fisher, whichever one she wants to use. Right. Yes. Who and, do you want to be today, mom? Well, <laughs> and, and anyone who has had an email recently from it. You know, I continued to use my maiden name for years, even after um, Mike and I were married 23 years ago, whatever, um, with this desire to not become known as Mrs. McCarroll or just Mike's wife. Because Number two. <laughs> I, well, I'd, I'd been in the safety field for Quite a, a while before that, a gazillion years, a gazillion okay. years or more. When did you start? When did you start in the the uh, in safety? Was it the eighties? Eighty, yeah, I'd say eighty, eighty one. I'm trying to remember. I'd say eighty, eighty one. Um, I, you know, had been a registered nurse and worked in. So there wasn't safety people; it was safety nurses. Yeah, I mean that's what we did as we went around and you know tried to treat people after they fell off the building. Uh, which was part of my drive. Um, not that I ever chose safety as a career. It chose me like it did for all the rest of you, most of you anyway, um, and that we were connected to the safety department and nuclear construction. There were some uh, management changes going on, a new company coming in, bringing in their own nurses, and I was like trying to figure out what am I going to do now, where shall I go, when the safety department you know, approached me and said, would you consider that? Which I hadn't, but I immediately had the thought, wow, you know, this is totally different. You're now not the response to your, your whole career is focused around these bad things not happening. You went from reaction to prevention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. That's yeah. Good. Which was hard. Yeah. Reaction was easier. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Clean up the blood. Okay, so um, we're talking about mental health today, and and uh, it just seems like it's all I've been talking about for months now. I, mean, I think I've done a few podcasts on it already, and um, you know, before we get, I know we're going to get into the system, but um, it's a topic in every five hundred two. I, I think either it's a student or a presenter brings up mental health. A lot of people are latching on to it, and. <sighs> There's an evolution going on, and, and I know you're going to talk about that, too, this longer history. But in the short term, it seems like it started with um, let's offer help for people who raise their hand and say they have mental health issues and come get it, right? And then it's kind of evolved to now, okay, maybe we need to do some training and some other stuff. But I can't help but notice it's so focused on let's fix the workers, the problem. And what I'm not hearing a lot about is the system we place the worker in, 
right? Which you and I love to talk about. But do you want to go back further on the history or what do you want to do? Before we do on that, uh, just like what you just said about uh, the focus on the worker and it's the system. Yes, and we're going to focus on the workplace system, but we all recognize that a lot of the issues with, with mental health today are not just workplace driven. They are system driven in the larger perspective of the country uh, that we live in and the culture and cultural changes that are happening. And so it gets manifested in the workplace. But the reality is there's a dramatic increase in issues with mental health problems countrywide. Okay. Well, well, okay. So let's both are true of this. And I think that like all our safety conversations because of the human performance thing, we're ultra focused on the system but it's still good to teach a worker proper fall protection. And so in the, in this context, it's still good to teach people how to manage their own mental health. That's still a good thing. Yes. But if we're not talking about the system at all, th- that's we're missing the boat, right? No, and, absolutely. And and you are right. And I, I think this has come up with a lot in a lot of these conversations that <sighs> there's the marketing machine of of prescription medication. And a lot of times we're suppressing things. There's the wide availability of whether it's alcohol or Delta 8 gas station weed, as people call it. The opioid crisis. The opioid crisis, methamphetamines. Um, We've got all the drugs widely available. But we also, you know, touching on the system, we don't have – we don't teach – mental health management in the school system like they do in Eastern cultures, right? I mean, I've got to tag on to what you said, though, about the the substance abuse issues, um, perhaps worse, although we had, you know, alcohol issues for years. But we also have um, disintegration of the family and we have loss of faith. And those were things that helped that and now that mental health issues may be symptomatic of some of that disintegration as well system issues well uh, no that that's totally true um yes the family unit is not what it used to be and uh, whether it's buddha or jesus some some cultures in this world still believe in faith, right? And and it has disintegrated a good bit over here. A- absolutely, not yeah. the, just the U.S. but Europe as well. So, yes, we could do a whole one on religion too. You know, well, we right? could, but you know, I'm used <laughs> to know people to being that. mad at me, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right? We right. could we can talk right. about those things. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so we're um. Hey, I know. Let's uh let's do some history, right? Yes, and so I'm. Um, Conditions are better, but we've evolved from terrible conditions. And and uh, you told me a story one time. This would be my great great grandfather who was in construction. And you can correct me on this, but I remember it is a contractor had their stuff in the way, and so great great grandpa uh, told the employees, "Well, go burn their shit." <laughs> Right. Yeah, he specifically <laughs> told my father, his yeah. grandson, who was working there, because it's been multi generational in our family for great 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 grandfather at minimum being in construction, and so he just told him, you know, I told him to move it, so you go burn burn their supplies, uh, burn that subcontractor supplies. He won't do that again. 
And yes, so things, job conditions, um, and, and, you know, anyone can read about those. And most of us have seen the evolution of safety and the changing for the better of job site conditions. But it was really, really bad. I mean, we go back, you know, pre-OSHA and look at the death rates right. and the job site conditions. And not only were job site conditions terrible, high death rates, the um, the way leader, we treated people. Yeah, leadership. That's yeah, that's leadership. where I was going. Yep. Is is people were brutally treat, treated. I yeah. mean, they very much and and so you hear how often fistfights happen. Oh, in my generation, yeah. Um, there were uh, you know Mike and I talk about some of the deaths that we've seen on job sites, shootings and and knifings murder. that were murder. I mean, yeah, yes, murder on the job. They happened. Um, so we've gotten a little better, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't kill we've people. We've gotten trema- tremendously better. But the what you hear in the resistance to talking about mental health and, and about not just also talking about treating workers differently, mm-hmm. um, treating workers as you would want to be treated. How about an old adage there? And Are we getting into the coddling? Uh, Yes. That, okay. That, I mean, that's where I was headed. Okay. Um, Talk about coddling. Yes. That, you know, you're just trying to excuse these workers when, you know, they screw up something and you don't want to punish them and, and that's wrong and, and we're coddling these folks, you know, and, and all all that sort of oh, thing. Oh, there's a term. I can't remember it. It's like, it's not twinkle. There's there's something oh. about, what, what is it they call the pe- the generation that... There's some terms. There's some derogatory terms. They, they oh, yes. They talk about how weak people are today. And so, you know, you and I have talked about this. Yes, there are generational changes. Yeah. And we note that. So younger generation today coming in the workplace, they're not willing to be brutalized, basically, like that was normal a few generations back. Now, on the other hand, there are some problems with the generation coming in in that they are not used to the hard labor that was traditional for kids growing up. Right. They're not um, weeding the garden like no, I had to No, they're not hoeing the garden. They're, they're, they're not out there working from dawn to dusk, picking cotton, for goodness sake. I mean, they're, they're not doing that. And they also... Um, don't have the same skills. Yeah, no skilled labor. Yeah. But well, you know, well, hey, well, I, I want to back up a minute, okay? So um, I know you and I are very familiar with the the generational bias term. Yes. And there's some generational bias there. And I think that it's a combo of one, a, a lot of, there might be leaders out there that did have to work harder as a kid, right? Yes. And they do have the skill set. And so now they're judging this group that doesn't have it. But, but at the same time, we're, we are becoming a lot more open to talking about, you know, mental health and mindfulness and your feelings and all this kind of stuff. And, and when people are biased towards that, I think part of it is tied to generational bias. Well, we just sucked it up, which really means we went and drank it away for a lot of people. Yeah. And and so, you know, people always judge what they don't understand. And, right? and we walked 15 miles in hip deep snow to get to school yeah there's a tennis i never miss school in washington for snow ever right right? so 
there is that. But there's a bias there, right? I mean, it, there and, is. And I think part of that bias too is they don't understand how to respond to it, right? I mean, if I got a leader who knows nothing about thought work and breath work and all these, you know, skills that a lot of people are teaching and, and, you know, and I grew up, we just sucked it all up, right? That uh, there's a, a bias there, not just that I think you're weak because sometimes there's a, a perception of that the worker is weak, but also they don't know how to respond to that. And it comes out of their mouth as you're weak, but underneath the surface, I think there's a little bit of, I just don't know how to do this or deal with it. Well, that, that was, what came to mind for me, absolutely. They don't, number one, know how to talk to the worker. Yeah. They know how to yell at the worker. They don't know how to talk to the worker. And there's much less dialogue going back and forth. And so, of course, in human performance, we understand that the person that most knows what's good and what's bad about what's going on in the workplace is the person doing the work. Right. If you're not having that conversation with them, you're loss of information that's critical to your role as a leader is enormous. Right. Okay. And, and I'm skipping around here. Okay. That's but, what we do. All right. Um, how many times in the pro safe career have you written a recommendation in a culture report about formalizing positive reinforcement? <laughs> How many a week <laughs> reports do I do? I mean, well, I think that's part of it. I think it's a contributing factor, and it ties back to what you said that a lot of people don't know how to talk to the worker. And you know, we've got the history of we did treat workers poorly. Yes, and there's that generational bias that goes along with that. How did my daddy do it? There's no formalized. I don't see a lot of formalized. Beyond training, maybe somebody introduces a little bit of one-off training and here, you know, give some people some attaboys, but positive reinforcement is severely lacking in just about every culture assessment report we do. Absolutely. And so if I have a worker who, one, is fatigued to death and then spending a ton of time away from their family, and that's going to cause marital and parenting issues. Yes. And then you go to work. And you're treated like crap. And, and, and I don't mean intentionally treated like crap. I mean, a lot of supervisors just don't have the innate skill set to deliver positive reinforcement. So now we're going to add that to an already bad system. So we're talking about, did they have any leadership education training? Uh, no. no, that the education <laughs> that they had and how to be a leader, because we've all said this before, you take a... A, a crew member who's got a car shows up to work on time every day, and in today's environment, he's going to be a foreman. Definitely. Now, we put him in a leadership ro uh, role, role yeah. and his only knowledge of how to be a leader was probably leaders he worked under who probably are an older generation, for sure, and who weren't necessarily great role models and so they're just doing what they remember their boss doing. So their leadership skills are based on generational bias. Yeah. <laughs> right. How about that? <laughs> That's pretty crazy. So uh, I think two things we need to flesh out more. One was you, you said positive reinforcement. So right. let's just explain. What do we mean by positive reinforcement? I hear you say it all the time and it's so true. It doesn't mean good job. Right. <laughs> 
So if we go back all the way to, you know, B.F. Skinner, um, go before that, but, you know, did the experiments that determined that the what has the greatest impact on behavior is positively reinforcing the behavior that you desire. So what do we do in the workplace? We completely ignore positive behavior, which causes extinction of that behavior and a reversion back to behavior that is perhaps undesirable, but it is actually reinforced, which is naturally incurring reinforcement. Do you mind if I go off on this time no, right here? No, d- do it. I mean, we could do an hour on this alone. And we but probably should. Yeah. But for example, if we take a shortcut, which just a reminder to everybody, taking shortcuts and doing slightly risky things is innate in, in a human being. That's, and, and so that's another podcast we could do. But when you have a 14-step procedure and you figure out, you know, there's two of these steps that I don't think we need to do, then, and you do that, and no one, there's no correction of that because there's nobody in the workplace actually really seriously looking for that, then you are naturally reinforced because you get the job done quicker. Okay, so less exertion is a positive reinforcement to do that again. That's right. And then we have this other phenomenon that happens is they get better at that and they start slicing away at those things until – and when it happens over time, it doesn't seem like a big deal to the person doing it. Change blindness. And the next thing that happens is the supervisor over that worker notices – Man, Jim, you get this task done better and quicker than anyone else. Yeah. You're my guy, man. I'm. We're going to that that's next I, big that's, job. That's because I just xeroxed the the JSA. That's how I got it done quicker. Right. right? That's yeah. how I got it done quicker, and I got yeah. positively reinforced for that. Okay. 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 Well, hang on that because I know you got another one, but. I, um, and thank you to you and Mike for giving me the Aubrey Daniels book, the Bringing Out the Best in People. Um, there's a statement in there that. A lot of times you ask employees, do you get positive reinforcement at work? And, and they most of the time say no, but it's not true. They get reinforced every single day, like what you just said. Yes. A, a Mike uses the example, you know, I flip on the light switch and light comes on. That's positive reinforcement. Right. And, and so how does that happen in construction safety world? We skip some steps and there's an automatic positive reinforcement that happens that's going Soon against Soon certain and positive, yes, yes, right? Yes. So the, the strongest reinforcement of behavior. Soon, meaning it happens in association with the task. Right. For sure it's going to happen. You're going to get the pat on the back, and it's positive. Right. Okay, so we got that issue, but I, I think we need to come back to the positive reinforcement, the words out of the mouth of the supervisor to the worker. Yes. And I'm, I know you're going to go down that road, Something else in in the bringing out the best in people is that a lot of managers don't do positive reinforcement based on science when they do. I mean, I think there's a lot of good supervisors that mean well, that say good job, but a lot of times what they'll do is they'll take something that worked one time and try to apply it to everybody. And, and in the book, they, they talk about, and I, I get this, that um, different people respond to different reinforcers. And, and and so the, the real short version is 
there should be a committed effort to developing a plan to try to give some positive reinforcement. And I'm talking about words out of the mouth, words of aff- affirmation. And, and you already did the you know, deep, sincere, accurate praise versus the lame good job. But different people respond to different types of verbal communications. So the idea is we need to plan to go out there and deliver positive reinforcement to different people, trying new things and finding out what works for them. And, 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 you know, he talks about um, is try. And even if what you did didn't work well, they're going to forgive you if it didn't work well, because they know it was genuine and you were trying. And what you should do is you should ask, how do you like what I did? And you'll learn more your people. Now, I'm making a big deal about that because this whole mental health thing is all about learning your people. Well, (laughs) but the other thing you just said, one of the most important things is leadership going out in the field and having a conversation with workers. (laughs) Okay, because that's what another thing we hear time after time after time after time. We never see anybody out here. You know, unless it's foreman blowing through to say you're behind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, safety people, they come out and bust us for what we did wrong. Right. You know, they don't help us. They don't tell us what we did right. We never see senior management. We like to see senior management. We'd like for them to talk to us. How about this? I had, I don't think I brought the quote with me. I had one yesterday that was something about, how about try this you know, management, why don't you come out to the job and ask us, are we okay? Is there anything you need? Well, we've been hearing that for two decades. Some version of the worker would love management to come out in the field. So to give positive reinforcement, you first have to get out of the office. Uh, Okay. Well, I want to hit that. um, I want to hit it from two different sides because in the bringing out the best in people, he talks about, yes, upper management, let's say C-suite, needs to go out there and visit the field. And we know all that's true, but it's the day-to-day, it's also true, it's the day-to-day interactions with the foreman level to the worker. And so we need to start with an organizational system. What's the leadership, the culture? That's driven by C-suite. But where we're going is we need the foreman delivering constant positive reinforcement. Without doubt, because we, again, that the foreman's, the words that come out of that foreman's mouth has the most dramatic impact of what's going on in that crew. You and I have talked about this. I must have said the same thing a million times right. in my life, is that if you want to, um, which I think I'm trying to make, who did I steal this from? Um, Fred Manuel, I think. If you if you want to judge the quality of leadership at the frontline supervisor level, all you have to do is observe the behavior of the crew. Right. Hello. Yeah. Because they're doing exactly what they think their their supervisor, their immediate supervisor wants. That's right. Oh, okay, so something else in that bringing out the best in people. And this, I think we're a ways away from this. But the, the end, end goal would be peer-to-peer positive reinforcement. Oh, yeah, uh, it, uh, it would. But you've got to have got, that culture first. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we're going to start the C-suite. We want to get down to the foreman level. But, uh, you know, what would great look like that the positive reinforcement from the worker to worker? So I got to skip back to you mentioned that, oh, maybe we do a little leadership training. The one off. Yeah, yeah, the one off. And so, you know, you take a bunch of leaders and you put them in a classroom and you throw some PowerPoint slots up there and you talk. 
Well, well, that's that, how we do it. Yeah, and it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Um, not to say that some background education isn't good. It is. Yeah. But you you have to get more nuts and bolts. So it, I'll come back to probably all the three of us have have used because it's the best exercise ever is to um, come back to good boss, bad boss. But the one where you have them turn to their seatmate and and tell them to their face what are the great things they notice about that person. That's an uncomfortable exercise. It is hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. You take yeah, a bunch yeah. of construction superintendents and put them there and, and you know, it'll start with they, they're looking at you and you go, no, you got to look at Bob. <laughs> right. And tell Make Bob. <laughs> look at Bob and tell Bob things you admire about Bob. And you want to watch some superintendent right. squirm and it turns yep. into jokes and it's always, you know, something silly comes out of their mouth and they're so incredibly uncomfortable. It helps you and them recognize here's where we are. Yeah. We've got a long ways to go before we can – that person is going to be comfortable at that sincere, accurate praise. So it goes back again. You talked about the C-suite. You know, it's most important for the foreman. But whether it's a, a a trainer, a qualified trainer, coach, person that's doing this, or in most cases, it's someone higher up in the organization that's going out in the field and actually observing foreman worker interactions and helping coach and guide them into improving those interactions. That's right. And that's hard work. You can't just check the box. We did the training class. Where Everybody's going to be nice now. Yeah, everybody's going to be nice now, and it's all going to work out really great. Okay, well, we don't do that, you know, and that comes back to the the see one, do one, teach one, right? Yeah. I mean, we talk about That's all it. that, and we do have that culture of check the box. We Everybody went through the training, we're good. And I think one of the reasons we don't do what we're talking about right now, I need somebody who does get the deep understanding of positive reinforcement. i got to observe something to reinforce you know, I got to be deep and sincere, got to try some things out, you know, observations, part of it, stand there and watching people work, but we don't need to do it for everybody. I think we do it more often if we were okay with not everybody has to come walk the job and do this. Let's take a select few leaders and develop them in the field and it wouldn't be so resource intensive. So I guess what I'm trying to say is yes, the training's good, but it's the development coaching piece in the field and people struggle with, well, how are we going to do that for everybody? We don't do it for everybody. Pick some leaders, right? Right. Pick some leaders and let's go walk the job. And, and although I, I would probably qualify this though, that some field time absolutely should be a requirement for everyone in the organization from, I'm, you know, you're not going to put the president out there three times a week but he has to make an effort on a project to have walked the job and had a conversation with workers. Okay. And I, I'm with you. Yes, some field time. So we're going to naturalize field time as part of the right. culture. But in the beginning and based on where we're at in construction now, I think we don't have a lot of great positive reinforcement coaches out there. And so since that pool is small – 
Let's pick the oh the, the coach. The few yeah, we're going to have some folks who yeah. with that as a major part of their role. Right, is to coach. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um. No, I totally agree with. I, some aren't ready for it. I got to digress for okay, just a minute. You ahead. mentioned the see one, do one, yeah. teach one. Yeah. Um. So first of all, a lot of that came from both Mike was paramedic and I was a nurse, yeah. and and so that's how we learned. That's how we were taught, you know. But I was going to say that. You're going to intubate someone, seeing one and doing one. You may have done one. It doesn't mean you're necessarily great at doing it before you teach one. So there, oh, yeah. and, and obviously it, I'm yeah. keeping it short I, but there. It, but Th- that's it, like a year-long process. Right, right? But, it, yeah. but it can get abused that way. But yeah. it is a critical component in teaching and safety whether it's how to use, um, you know, a six-gas monitor for a confined space right. to putting on a harness, the it would behoove us, we would be have better training going on if that was incorporated into training, to most training. Right. See one, see someone do it, do it yourself, but that third piece teaching someone else to do it has magic to it yes it does no i mean it, it makes you learn it right i mean we all know uh, you and i know that why does this stuff roll off our tongues because we teach it all the time yeah. right um so i know i'm going down a no, rabbit it's all hole good. here but okay all right no, so we, we talked a lot about positive reinforcement we yes. talked about the perception of weak i still can't it's not Twinkies. What, what's the term they do for uh, the new generation? There's some derogatory Twinkle term. Twinkle toes? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't it's know. Like It'll come they, to you yeah, tonight. After the podcast. Yes, it will. Right. Absolutely. Um, oh, okay, so uh, here's one. Like, we, we started this whole thing on mental health, and um, I know we've seen workers talk more about mental health over the past, I don't know how many years, but we we got a bunch of comments here. 23. Yeah. And no, I mean, we we have this unbelievable mountain of data slash evidence, whatever you will, where we have comments from employees, both anonymously and then in focus groups, saying what their issues were. And, and I don't know if you're going here with this, but one of the big things is this strong tie between fatigue and mental health issues. Yeah. So that's a yes. huge one. But you want to throw up, a, want me to throw up a quote or do you got one? I, I, this, Go ahead. This one's kind of long, but I, I love it because it it's, says the whole thing. We need to talk about mental health, our home life, not being there for our kids, the guilt we feel, wives cheat, we are always tired and sore, Construction has the second highest suicide rate. Did you know that? The company needs to talk about it. There are office people in there. I talk about mental health. They tell me mental health isn't real. All I have to do is pray. <laughs> I mean, there was a little bit more that Jesus wanted you to do, right? Um, the people who are supposed to help tell us that, and that's bullshit. I think we have a stigma of suck it up, you derogatory word for the female anatomy. I'll just say that. Then we get... Well, at least you aren't homeless and have a job, and that's BS. And that's the kind of conversations <laughs> that are going on in your job site. And if you think they're not, you just don't know. Right. Because they are. Yeah. I mean, virtually every one that we go to, I, I got to read one. Okay. If you say you need a break, they call you a pussy. 
Oh, well, what? you said it. You, now, now, oh, I now wasn't I gotta, supposed to say well, that. Well, now I got to do the explicit on It's okay. That's all right. You can cut this. That was my mother, by the way, you who just add, said that. You can, right? I'm reading it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Go ahead. Mom. When, when they call a check, you, you know, you can edit that out. When, when they call a check on the day, they don't ask how you are. They ask how production was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. There's some more that along the same lines. But, uh, uh, okay, so we got that. You know, I was telling the story last night. I quit school. You know, it, it, that's it's always funny that I quit school and I get to teach for a college. And uh, yeah, we were it, we were talking about uh, um, my SO and I. We were talking about raising kids, and I was talking about how Grandpa called me up and said, "That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life." You know. That's... Well, do you want me to tell the rest <laughs> of the details of that? When you chose, said you were going to quit high school, and um. I called my dad up, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he said, tell him to pack his bag, and if he's got to go live yeah. under a bridge, then he's going to live under the bridge. But let me talk to him first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can't just kick him out the door. He said, no, yeah, you do. The, the girlfriend was asking, did that make you mad when he talked to you? I'm like, no, he set me straight. It, it, yeah. I mean, he was right about everything, wasn't he? He's normally nice. Okay, so um, All right. the workers – are are saying it they recognize it they want us to do something about it um you know we, we i think we're lucky to work with some companies that at least gather this data but um you know for people listening you know what would your workers say right it, yeah are you having these anonymous conversations and what would your workers say about mental health and all that well and let's qualify that anonymous conversations we've said how we want everyone as much as possible in leadership to be out talking to workers yeah. just listen no let me listening, listening to, to workers, workers. <laughs> right um now you have to edit that because i forgot where i was going well, okay well so we got the input there um but uh, this no, whole thing I was fatigue it was. Yeah, uh, okay so it's not enough to just go out and talk to workers because especially depending on where your culture is at that point in time You're going to have to find a way to get anonymous input because they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear. They're not going to tell you what you need to know. And so there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And, you know, it can be hotlines, you know, use of outside forces, whatever it is, there's got to be a way for you to get people to tell you the honest truth. It's, okay, on that, and I think a lot of people do anonymous some kind of system for that, and that's a great thing if you're already doing that, and it takes the right kind of person, as you and I know. I got to engage some workers, whether it's yeah. the focus groups like what we have, or, or... I, I, I'm going to question and say I don't think there's many at all out there doing this. Yeah, there, there. Here's how I know there's none. <laughs> Is that when you they you do gather this data and you give it to senior management, they are just shocked. Yeah. Shocked, I say. I can't believe my workers would say that. Well, that gap between what the workers are saying and what management thinks is going on, that's pretty seriously a problem. All right. And I'll add to it, how many times do we see where we do a culture assessment and the worker says you should do these focus groups like once a quarter, not once every three years or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we got that. We, we got to know, we got to know what's going on out there. Um, <clears throat> but the fatigue thing, we didn't really touch on that, that 
it, it's not just that they're tired. A lot of this work you can't do unless you're at least drinking Red Bulls, which encourages some chemically altered brains. Unhealthy behavior. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, and so what we have got, you, you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, was that the current situation we're in for, for construction is that we don't have near the labor force that we need. Right. And so we're taking people who are, well, I mean, I had an electrical contractor tell me recently that they were taking people that they wouldn't have kept in a crew and making them foremen in the, in the past. Right. They, they wouldn't even be Need working there. Now they're making them a foreman. They don't have any option at this point. Right. And then we have what we've all seen is the um, accelerated schedules and they're unbelievable schedules. You know, we're stacking trade upon trade. We have the owner of the company, uh, um, the construction company, approached by the project owner and saying, listen, if you can shave three months off the schedule, here's this amount of money I'm going to put on your desk. And then there's the dilemma saying, well, you know, they shouldn't say that they could do it three months quicker. Well, you know, people have shareholders as well and yeah. board of directors and right. and they're in that position. And so they agree to do that. And then there really isn't good planning into how are we going to do that given our labor situation. And so we don't do a good job of coordinating trades. And we tend to, rather than do multiple shifts, we tend to take everyone and now they're working 70 hours a week. Well, that's a prescription for disaster, and if you don't know that, what can I say? Right. You know, <laughs> there there are limitations on humans' ability. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't. Do we need to talk more about fatigue and and the the error rate? Right. Do uh, people understand yeah, that? But, I mean, you know, I did the one on drunk at work and drunk and, at and work. I there you go. But, I mean, you know, it's another thing we're becoming aware of, and and so yeah, there's a lot of evidence. I think we can just say there's a lot of evidence to say people are going to screw up a lot more if we fatigue them to death. Absolutely, their their error rates as high as if they're legally drunk. Okay, and and there's one more thing to add okay. to that. When you're in an urban location like Atlanta, doing mm -hmm. your work anywhere in this area then the commute that i had okay <laughs> worse back today. in the day right. is the county that we live in now yeah. i could easily be downtown atlanta grabbing a cup of coffee to take the buck hoist up in 35 minutes yeah what's that take uh, it's today it's terrible yeah, I, yeah yeah so those hours where are they coming from even if you're not adding additional hours at work, which you are, they're coming out of people's personal lives, and it's taking a tremendous toll. Well, you know, I'm going to tie it back to your positive reinforcement thing on skipping steps. Yeah. If that's the system that we place people in, they're getting positive reinforcement for opioids. Yeah. Right? Because it's allowing them to keep their job and all the unhealthy whether it's you know too many red bulls or methamphetamine counteracted uh, yeah. by by opioids to sleep 
I mean, it's a vicious circle. Um, oh, but we do drug testing. Yeah, right. I got news for you. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> You're not catching yeah. the stuff. No, you're catching not the catching the stuff. You're catching the pot catching heads the, that are trying to go to bed and sleep. We're <laughs> <laughs> getting the ones that go to sleep. Oh, okay, so um, I, I think that we're not going to turn around tomorrow and everybody's going to be like, yay, that's great. Let's just go work nine to five. And so I think it's some limits. As a start, we need to put some limits on it with – uh, if I, you know, and I've used this example a hundred times, so I'm sure people have heard it. If I'm going to jump the tower crane tomorrow, can I not fatigue the operator to death the day before? Right. And, yeah. and we've seen some companies do that, but you know, it is the, could we put some limits on it? And I don't know what the magical number is because there's not a magic one for construction, but is that a con? Well, let's like make it a conversation at least. There right? are guidelines for us, though. Well, there yeah, are a lot guidelines. of guidelines yep. out there okay. that tell us what is the absolute limit of human capacity for someone doing such a high risk task as being a tower crane operator for crying out loud. Right. Okay. So we really got to think about that as an organization and senior leadership needs to think about if I've got a tower crane operator sitting in a seat for 16 hours, what does that risk level look like? And what is that going to look to our company when we end up on the front page right. of the Atlanta Journal, whatever, the news? So that comes back to what does a good system look like? It means we have a formal fatigue management plan. Right. And we've actually sat down and we've talked about what can we do, what, you know, here's what we want to do, here's maybe what we can do, but let's come up with that and let's do that. And then we actually have to follow it. That's the other problem is we have folks that have got really nice plans that sit all dusty on a shelf somewhere that when push comes to shove, we go, well, we're just going to have to not, we're just going to have to do what we got to do for this job or whatever. So we have to have that commitment from senior management that it has to go into planning for and for new projects. Yeah. So we have to think about that manpower planning. You know, the, okay, so clearly defined fatigue management, work-life balance. We got to yes. have that. And can we go to the, let's just start, go ask the worker, what's the fatigue management plan? And let's see what they say today. Work us to death. <laughs> right. You know, that's okay. what they're going to say. Okay. So we got that we need. We talked about employee input. Um, you know, and part, it, 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 I think we've mentioned it, talked about it before, but do supervisors recognize signs of fatigue? Because there's a little bit of a hard thing there. I mean, we talk all the time about how you can see a drunk person stumbling, but there are physical signs, but they're harder to read than being drunk with uh, fatigue. So... Um, do they recognize? They have to be. All our leadership, yeah, forming up, have to have had some training in assessing work readiness. Now, I I should have come prepared with more information, but Mike yesterday had a long conversation with um, a developer who's um, has an app for that, if okay. you will. And one that a foreman can use on their phone to basically go through and help guide them in assessing work readiness. Yeah. Um, but that I still think there needs to be a see one, do one, teach one. I know there's an app for everything. Yeah, I, but, I, you yeah. Know. And I mean, I can't use my phone half the time. You, yeah. know, you know that. That's right. But um, that 
assessing work readiness is not just like a one-time thing you do. It goes back to what is the quality of doing of your pre-work meetings? I mean, you are doing pre-work meetings every day. Yeah, we check them. Right? We've got boxes If checked. you have a good system, that's what you have, and it's not a Xerox piece of paper like right. Philip was talking about. It, it, it is that there's actual face-to-face. Now, there's a... There's, um, a reason that that's getting built into um, things like subpart V, right? right? Where that pre-work meeting is mandated. And there's a reason for that. There's science behind that. Oh, yeah. And that pre-work meeting means that that leader who's been taught and coached and see one, do one, to actually put his eyeballs on each of his workers, to know his workers, to have a relationship with his workers, right. and to be able to judge, hmm, we might have an issue here. Right. And to know how to humanely respond to that and how are we going to manage that? Not just, you know, we years and years ago taught people how to recognize substance, someone who's clearly drunk or right. impaired. But then we never had a conversation about, well, what do we do with that? Yeah. Do we send them home or drive them home? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know how we learned you don't send them home? Something bad happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay. So, and you know, we talk a lot about the struggles, but, it, you know, what's the solutions, right? That um, So, one, we, we got to develop people. We need management field presence. Um, do we even have a fatigue management plan? You know, do we just call it one and, well, we don't work over 16 hours, but do we have some kind of more right. structured, uh, you know, the, the management field visits, I think there's still a lot of JSA PTP stuff where people just tally them, but what's the quality Does somebody actually go, you know, see one, do and teach one that are we coaching people observing the yeah. foreman, which all the stuff we said with signs of fatigue and mental health issues, um, the accountability imbalance, the production versus safety thing <sighs> is still a struggle in the industry. And a lot of that, well, number one, it's what are you rewarded for? If your, you know, bonus system rewards, if you will, are heavily based in production, and if your safety piece of that is all lagging indicators, right? then you got a mess. I mean, yeah. you do. And it's going to be reflected in the workplace. So we're looking for, and there are some construction companies out there that are really becoming leaders in this with having very effective balance scorecards, if you will, so that what gets measured gets done. Can't say it enough. Um, you know, there's a component of that that comes up every single, like the quality of the doing. How much, how many conversations have you and I had about the quality of the doing? And almost every time I have that conversation, somebody says, well, we don't want a subjective opinion. Well, and, you're going to have to get over <laughs> no that. But I, mean, it, yeah. I feel like that, that that statement of not wanting a subjective opinion, it's related to a lack of trust. That they don't trust who's doing the measurement of the quality. It, Nepotism comes up. Well, some of that, but and, some of it is just uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah, uncomfortable. Right. So, right. Look, you know, here's the big deal. We all know we've got superintendents, general superintendents out there in construction that are monsters. I'm yeah. sorry. Still. Okay. Yeah. There's still some, some I mean, there's of them there. Oh, the great I mean, ones yeah, overwhelm. This, the, right. But there are some of them that are so old school that they are 
really dangerous to your organization. But they're positively reinforced on the production thing, which yes. is their accountability and balance. So I'm taking going to your subjective comments, yeah. and <laughs> I know that we have some of those folks. <laughs> When safety people, they talk amongst themselves, yeah, I know, but, you know, that's Bill and can't talk about it. You know, right. Well, yeah. you, you know what? If senior management is not behind closed doors having a conversation with safety staff and saying, look, tell me who's who's the good and the bad, right. where do, what do I need to know? Um, that's subjective information that has to go into determinations of – whether we're going to reward, promote, or keep. You know what? It's already happening. We're just not listening to it. Yeah, You know, when those well, people say true. that they don't want a subjective opinion, it's already happening because I'm not, and I'm that's not going to name the names, but you and I both know some of those certain superintendents, right? And yeah, that's <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, and I hear it all the time. I can't believe XYZ had this person as a superintendent, right? And, and so... There is the subjective opinions going on. We're just not supposed to talk about them. <laughs> well, and that goes back to a balanced scorecard. Right. The reason you have them there is because they are perceived to be such tremendous money makers. We all yeah. know that. But then I question to you, what is the cost to the organization? Because usually they leave a trail of broken bodies or, or other, or other you, you litigation lose. issues uh, yeah, and, and some you know, other, other things yeah, that can happen, some, right? Yeah. Uh, HR issues. But yeah. also, um, how many really good people in your organization to you lose because they just aren't going to subject themselves to that. Well, that happens. We see that a yes. lot. People, yeah. good, great people leaving a company because they had to And it's subjective again. Oh, yeah, it's subjective again. So you yeah, have yeah. to have that component. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so, um, yeah, work on the accountability. and You know, we're, we're going to keep measuring on production, but I, I think that's what we're looking for is can we tip the scale a little bit? Because, you know, just like you said, all the stakeholders and the clients, we're still going to have aggressive schedules. I think we can polish those things. And so, you know, I just want to make the point, because some people listen to this is like, you're talking free-free world. It's are we headed in that direction well, uh, so kind of towards yeah, the end ahead. here, I just got to yeah, throw yeah, one yeah, more throw memory okay. of mine was um, general superintendent that I worked for, um, uh, superintendent on a really large project, urban Atlanta, um, was missing from the job site. General superintendent said, where is so-and-so? And I answered back, well, he's at the hospital. You know, his daughter's in the hospital and his face turned bright red, and he turned to me, and he goes, well, that, that's what we have wives for. Tell him to get his, you know, <laughs> here on the job, or he will not have a job. Wow. And, okay, yeah. so that was the old days. Was right. that a lot better? Uh, or are we learning, and we, you know, learning. when we're talking work-life balance, right? you know, families matter. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you always tell me I need to do a summary. Yeah. And, and okay. And I, I'm I interrupting your oh, summary. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm winging this. Just like we both, right? We're both winging this. I'm. We started out with the family unit's not the same as what it used to be. Well, maybe the lack of work-life balance is part of that, right? And, it's and, not helping. And, and so we talked a lot about the problems, but what what are the things we need to be focused on and, and work on? Do we even have a, a real fatigue management plan? Right. Yes. That, that down to the worker knows what it is. And are we looking at work-life balance? Um, we talked about the accountability imbalance with production versus safety. 
and are, are we working further in that direction? We talked a heck of a lot about field presence from the C-suite, but also the, the field presence of going out there and coaching leaders on how to lead with mental health, positive reinforcement, all those kinds of things. Um, am I missing anything here? Th those are, I think, all things we need to know. Getting input from the workers. Do we have a system for that? And um, of course, with all that, there's that see one, do one, teach one, do, whether it's doing a PTP, recognizing fatigue, positive reinforcement. Do we have an official system for the, I'm gonna, you know, the, the do one, the development piece out there? What else we got? The, the only last on? thing I would add to that yeah. is that kind of part of the genesis of this conversation that we're having is that in our work on human performance principles, that one of the first red flag, the, the objections, the pushback is you just want to coddle these workers. Okay. And that kind of brought us here. So we had to have this overall conversation in order then to move on and explain better what do we mean by that in human performance. And no, we're not saying that nobody's ever to blame, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So that, that. I think it's the same thing here that you could have somebody there are bad people in the world and we're not we're never saying we don't want accountability I exactly think, I, I think we're doing this because of the system worker imbalance that yes. everybody's so focused on the dang worker right and we're totally missing the system can we at least try to balance that a little bit absolutely right? I mean if if you know the workers out there killing people on the job, committing murder, fire the crap out of them. And if they can't get off the methamphetamine, even though we tried to help them, get, well, fine, I get it. That's a problem that... But that's a system issue. You know, okay, so I, I got to say <laughs> okay, it. all right. I got to say it, that, that we hear that, yeah, well, this guy's just a bad apple. He's terrible. And then, well, why has he been working here for right. six years? Because yeah. his brother-in-law so, hired him. So you He's have a system problem, <laughs> right. you know, which, yeah. and I've said this probably too many times, but almost every fatality investigation over my career, there was some element of some rec so-called reckless behavior that when you have the trust of the crew for them to talk to you and tell you, that was Bob. We all knew Bob was going to kill somebody someday. Yeah. Because it was positively reinforced unintentionally. And, and no right? one ever asked us. We could have told them, Bob's yeah. a problem. It's, it's a, a system, system issue. It, it, it's it, it, all the stuff you started with. It's he was pot, Bob was positively reinforced for his risky behavior, or at least it, it was allowed. Uh, yeah, if nothing yeah. else. Well, I mean, it, and then that's naturally reinforcing. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. He got Bob got natural reinforcement yeah. for his risky behavior, and then we say Bob's a bad person. And you could apply that too. That you know, we talked about even when we said there's some bad, horrible superintendents. I think you used the term monster. They're positively reinforced for that behavior. Yeah, they are. Right? So they're not bad superintendents. They're a product of a system, too. There's always a both are true element there. Both are true. There. Yeah. Okay. Um, did we solve all the world's problems? I hope so. It's Friday. Okay. All right. Good. Well, thank you, Mom. We'll have to do this again. Appreciate right. it. Hope everybody has a wonderful day. Hey there. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review. If you want to connect further, reach out at leaderthink.com.